Greetings and a happy Palm Sunday, April 5th, 2020. We are going to um, obviously look at the triumphal entry today. The passages, um, all four Gospels actually record this this event. Um, we'll, we'll start just for context purposes in John 11, verse 45, but we'll also take a look at Matthew uh, 21, Mark 11, and Luke chapter 29, starting in verse 29. Before we start, though, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time here in His Word. Father, I thank You for Your Word, and I thank You just for the the accounts that we have of Jesus' ministry, of His great sacrifice to pay the ransom for our sins. And then the accounts of the resurrection where by Your power Jesus was raised from the dead that we know now that He has ascended, sits at Your right hand making intercession on our behalf. And God, though we're, we're separated at this time because of the, the virus situation, we know that your indwelling Holy Spirit still speaks to each and every one of us. So God, I ask that you would just uh, enlighten our hearts and our minds and open our eyes that we can see the truths that are in these passages, that we can glean the truths and find applications for our lives, that we might be better servants for Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. This is kind of an unusual format to um, not be in the fellowship hall with with all the collectibles uh, class members. It's um, just kind of different. It it really in, reminds me though just of the you know the distractions that might be around or. Uh, possible interruptions of you don't know when the telephone's going to ring or um, UPS is going to b- bring a delivery. And I was saying it kind of reminds me of um, being a teenager when my brother and I had had gotten a, a recorder where we could tape records, vinyls, onto tape. And so we would try to be real quiet, get everything set up. It, it was with a, a microphone, not even a device-to-device recorder, and, you know, get to nearly the end of the, end of the song, and, and Dad, not knowing what we would do, and would bust in the door and say, okay, boy, supper time. You know, so there in the, in the middle of Jerry Reed singing uh, about Amos Moses, you got... Okay, boys, it's supper time. There could even be still some of those tapes around. Um, so hopefully we won't have any, any interruptions or any um, background noises that are unexplainable. Um, but I do want to um, thank Corey for suggesting this. Um, it's just, just in, in, in that alone, I think, has kind of reminded me of a, of a few things um, it's it's a it's a challenge and just considering that oh I'm putting this on on tape it's it's kind of a reminder of the importance of communicating the truth of doing background study and, and Bible study and reading the scripture um, that it, that it sort of renews a nervousness that that maybe we should always have when we when we try to communicate uh, a, a teaching or message from from the word of just the utmost importance that there is. Um, you know, no one speaks in a ex cathedra manner. Um, Maybe the apostles did, and the prophets certainly did, but, but, but these days we, we all need to rely on insight from the Holy Spirit. 
so it's it's sort of a, a, a renewal or a, a revival just kind of in in my thinking and and um, getting back to to really making sure that that what is said is is accurate and um, and truthful but I think I think it's a reminder also we should check out and test anything that that any teacher gives us and I know Corey would would agree with that that we're we're all indwelled by the Holy Spirit we're all in that priesthood and can um, can read the Bible and 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 know what what it says so test all your teachers um, so the triumphal entry what is it when did it happen what's the context remember context is is important in 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 hermeneutics biblical interpretation so we'll begin we'll we'll read from John chapter 11 to get the context but before that turn to the uh, the last book in your Bible. It's called Maps. Actually, I know that's not the last book of the Bible, but 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 maps can help us also. As we um, last week, we looked at the passage in in Luke 19. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and passing through Jericho. So just uh, from the geographical standpoint, if you if you find a a map of Israel, Palestine, or or as it was then, Judea and Samaria and Galilee, uh, from from the time of the Roman uh, years, <clears throat> you'll see Jericho is right there on the the west side of the Jordan River, just north of the the Dead Sea, and Jerusalem is is south, mostly west, but a little bit south of there. So Jesus is is traveling from uh, Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows exactly why he's going. And he's gonna he's gonna stop and pause there in, in Bethany, which will be pretty much the headquarters for all the where Jesus will be staying and, and the headquarters where he'll return, retire each night during that that holy week. <clears throat> William Barclay says that in, in looking at the, the triumphal entry that it's, it's impossible to not exaggerate the sheer courage of Jesus in, in going to Jerusalem at this time. I think, I think we might easily add it, that it's impossible to exaggerate his great love also in, in what we'll see in, in, in Jesus knowing what lay in front of him. So what is the context? What's, what's happened? Jesus had been in, in Jericho, continued to uh, Jerusalem or toward Jerusalem um, there in that, in, in that last week, that final week. Um, A.T. Robertson in his Harmony of the Gospel says that, that th these events began happening on Friday uh, before the Tuesday of Passion Week. Others say that, that, this, uh, that, that Jesus arrived there in, in Bethany on the, on the, the Sabbath on Saturday. <clears throat> but just before then, in John 11, we, we read the account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. This is a, a weeks or maybe a, even months before the, the, the triumphal entry, but we kind of get some idea of just uh, what's, what's going on. So um, reading in John 11, verse 45, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? 
for this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not the whole nation, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not only for the na- and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. So after Lazarus was raised from the dead, the Sanhedrin, high priests, Sadducees, Pharisees, all began just just really up to their conspiracy and plans to to capture Jesus and to and to to murder him. Really, wasn't the first time that that Jesus had been threatened in in that manner. He uh, there had already been three attempts on his life. There there are numerous um, accounts or passages that reflect the other times that that Jesus had uh, just infuriated the. The, the unbelievers, the, the, the council, the high priests, to where they were to the point of, of wanting to, to kill him. Um, but, but it seems here at this time that they really just um, coordinate their efforts. They are just bent on capturing Jesus and, and, and killing him, getting rid of him. They're worried about their positions. They're worried about what is Rome going to, 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 you know, do about this. Are they going to be? Are the Romans going to uh, destroy our temple, our nation, uh, and, and thinking that we want to, to overthrow them, and and so they they join together in in this plan more than likely even put out wanted posters uh, on Jesus that, that some historians say that such an, a, an arrest and a wanted person would have, a, uh, there, would, there would be a posting and an announcement at, at least 40 days before any kind of trial that, that this person was wanted, whether it be for uh, sedition or, or whatever. And here they're accusing Jesus of... Of, of sorcery, using powers from below to, to raise Lazarus, and, and they just totally reject any, of idea, any idea of him being the true, the true Messiah. And it's so, sort of with that background that we had read in, in Luke chapter 9 of Jesus resolutely setting his his, his face toward Jerusalem, that being right after the, the transfiguration, that he knew exactly where he was going and, and, and why, what was going to happen. So it's kind of um, enlightening or just, um, it, it's really a, a, a great message, I think, that we can glean from that, that Jesus, this was no accident. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew, um, he knew what was in store. This was the very reason that he had that he had come to earth. That he had taken on the the form of man. He was fully God and fully man. And it was it was for this very week, these very things that were about to happen, that he might just. Uh, lay down his life and for atonement for our sin. It's a very deliberate step. It's an irrevocable step, but he he did it willingly, knowing that that was that was God's will. 
So the background is Jesus is going to Jerusalem where he knows there, there's a price on his head that, uh, that all of the Jewish officials are looking for him, want to arrest him. He had already told the, the disciples in Luke chapter 18 that they would go to the Son of Man would be arrested, beaten, spit upon, and, and killed. And so it's no surprise to him. Continuing in John chapter 11, we, we get just a couple of steps closer to the actual triumphal entry. In, in verse 55, John eleven fifty five says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should... He should let them know so that they might arrest him. So Jerusalem is already uh, busting at the seams with, with uh, pilgrims coming to uh, celebrate the Passover. Remember that probably the greatest feast out of the, the Jews' three uh, feast days, that celebrating the, the exodus, celebrating the, the passing over of the, of the angel of death that had struck the Egyptians and all who didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost there when they were uh, in, in, enslaved in, in, uh, in Egypt. It says that, that many had come from, from the country all around, from Galilee, from other parts of Judea, from Jews from the, the east side of, of the Jordan. They had gone up many, it seems, before the Passover to purify themselves. Well, what's that about? We read some in, in Numbers 9 and 19, but in order to partake of the Passover, uh, each, each Jewish person had to be uh, cleansed of any uh, defilement that they might have had from, being, uh, from touching a corpse or uh, other things that would make them unclean. So even though it's Passover is about a week away, um, the city was already full. Some say that, that the estimates range, they're, they're pretty broad. Some say the, the Jerusalem population was about 50,000 at this time, and it would actually swell to three times that many, 150,000 people at the time of Passover. And so the, the, the crowd is, is great. The city is packed, um, and, and possibly many... Galileans or others from Bethany that they're familiar with Jesus, they're even followers of him, though not in the in the twelve that they're they're looking, they're wondering, is he gonna come up? They know what the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, chief priests, all of the Jewish leaders are looking for him. And so there's there's even before he arrives a, a curiosity if, if he will come at all. And then continuing in, in chapter 12 of, of John, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there, Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but you do not always have me. 
When a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So that's the the, the setting, the context that Jesus goes into. He he returns to to Bethany to to visit his friends Lazarus, Mary, Martha, uh, Simon the leper. Uh, after months, probably months uh, after Lazarus had been risen from uh, resurrected, raised from the dead, they throw a celebration. I mean, uh, if if the man who resurrected your brother came back then you would certainly you know give him a, a big feast that are that many are gathered and mary wanting just to show her her gratitude and love for for jesus anoints his his feet uh with this expensive ointment and john gives us a note about J- judas the one that's going to betray him and how he uh objects to this and 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 untruthfully says we should have given this money to the to the poor knowing full well he just saw it as a as a more money to to pilfer from their from their purse as word gets out that jesus is in in bethany just you know a couple of miles from jerusalem the the Jewish leaders not only see it as an opportunity to to uh, capture Jesus, arrest him, and 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 put him to death. But they also see the need to, to arrest Lazarus and to to execute him as well, just to get rid of this this proof of Jesus's uh, miraculous uh, event that he had had done by the resurrection. That it was certainly a, a one of the prophecies concerning the Messiah that that he could heal the lame and the blind, could even raise people from the dead. And so if the Pharisees and Sadducees are going to maintain their position, they've got to get rid of as much evidence as they can. So we've reached the the Sunday before the crucifixion. <clears throat> Jesus has been staying in, in Bethany. It's the day after the the Jewish Sabbath where they wouldn't wouldn't go very far or do any work. Uh, John writes that in verse chapter twelve, verse twelve, he says the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palms and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. They reasoned why the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees and the said to the to one another you see that you are gaining nothing look the world has gone after him so not only was with Caiaphas and the and the Sanhedrin the priests uh, worried before after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead and 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 were worried of all those who uh, were were following after him now they see this this demonstration, this his arrival in Jerusalem, and and the huge crowd that's that's calling out Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, a, a word that they used to, uh, it 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 meant 
something to the effect of, of um, grant salvation or give us salvation now that they were looking to, to God to, uh, to deliver them, this time not from Egypt but from, from Rome. And the Sanhedrin is, is more and more worried and intent to, to bring about the, the end of Jesus to, to capture him and, and, and be done with him. As I said, all four Gospels record um, the, the events of, of the, uh, the triumphal entry. Luke records it in, in, in chapter 19. <clears throat> Verse 28, he says, when they had said these things, when he had said these things, this was after Jericho, uh, he went up, he, was going, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and throwing their, their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the, the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the, in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you, you did not know the time of your visitation. Matthew records the events in, um, in chapter 19. And we'll just we'll just read these and then try to uh, try to get uh, everything together. Actually, it's not 19; it's 21. Not Matthew's record is in uh, chapter 21. It said now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them. Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you'll, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee.
Philip Yancey, in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, writes, How can we who know the outcome in advance ever recapture the feeling that descended on Jesus' followers that day? It's the big feast, the time of, of Passover, when Jerusalem is, is swelled to three times the normal uh, population. There's excitement, even days before anticipation, will Jesus uh, come or not? Will he avoid the, the leaders who want to kill him? So just try to imagine that you don't know the outcome and, and you're there and you, you hear the, the news that, that it would be spreading, you know, mouth to mouth, person to person as Jesus draws nearer and nearer. That word certainly reached Jerusalem before he began uh, his, his entry there, um, more than likely through the Golden Gate on the, the northeast side of the, of the temple that he sent his disciples. They left Bethany, the next little town before Jerusalem is Bethphage. He sends two disciples there to, to get a donkey. And just just consider those two who are who are going. It's like, is this donkey really gonna be there? And then they see the donkey and the colt tied just like as Jesus had said and and just as he had told them, if anybody asks tell them the Lord needs it. And and all of those things happen. They bring back the donkey. They put their their cloaks on the, the colt. And Jesus then rides into Jerusalem at this time of their greatest feast with crowds all over. The the crowds with people from from Bethany, from Galileans, from people all over the the, the, the countryside, the nation know Jesus, they know what he, he's done, and they began to, to hail him as the son of David, the, the coming Messiah. They, they lay palm branches out in, on, on the ground in front of him. The, the palm was uh, a, a national symbol. It was uh, an, an emblem for an independent Palestine for uh, a Jewish nation being independent of Rome. It was more or less like a flag. And they're laying these, these flags out, the symbol of a flag, the, the palm from and, and on the ground for Jesus to, to uh, traverse on, on, on the donkey, that the excitement is, is high. They're shouting, you know, bring salvation now or grant salvation now. They're, they're, they're calling him the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the, in the name of the Lord. Um, just, just consider the, the excitement, the uh, anticipation now after all these, these years of after the Babylonian captivity, after the return and rebuilding of the wall and the, and the temple, Rome uh, conquering Palestine and, and putting them under Roman taxation and rule now is a, is a great anticipated hope of, of Messiah, the, the restoration of the, the nation as an independent nation of, of the son of David arriving and setting up his his kingdom, but not everybody is is happy. The Pharisees and and chief priests that are in the crowd they tell Jesus to rebuke his disciples. They're they're concerned with just their position, but also you know how is Rome going to to view this? What what will they say? We don't want them coming and, and tearing down our temple and, and destroying our city. And Jesus tells them, if, if I tell these to be silent, 
even the stones will cry out that he knows this is God's plan, God's will, and that that these events must uh, must continue. John and and Matthew and and their accounts sort of remind the 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 reader, the first readers, but us as well, of that this was. Jesus entering on a young donkey was to fulfill the prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9 that the Messiah, the king, would enter riding on a donkey. Not quite the same picture that, that the Romans would have. Uh, Rome would have a, a bigger presence of soldiers. Pontius Pilate, we know from later events, or later in the week is is there in Jerusalem. That wasn't his his normal headquarters, but he's there for the feast. With extra soldiers to make things, sure things don't get away out of hand. Any kind of uprising on this occasion. Um, Wayne Wearsby writes that uh, he imagined that some. Roman soldiers must have smiled at the triumphal entry because it was nothing like that of a of a Roman triumph or a Roman parade for a general when a Roman general uh, was successful and victorious and especially after he had killed over five thousand enemy and and gained new territory they would they would give him a parade as such uh, when he returned to Rome so compare the Compared to a Roman victory, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was rather mild. And you can just imagine what those Roman soldiers would, would think. Uh, Philip Yancey kind of writes of the same thing, of just the view of a Roman soldier who's, who's witnessing these events that he says it, it was probably uh, humorous to them too, thinking that here is... Is this one coming with great, uh, with with great celebration and and praise? And yet he's he's riding on a on a donkey. He stops before he enters the city, as Luke recorded, and and weeps over the 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 city, over the nation that Rome would would certainly not be uh, expecting any kind of a of an uprising from such a leader as this but it was all in accordance to to God's plan what the what the prophets had foretold what the the psalmist had had written in regard to the to the coming of the messiah there's a lot to 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 read just on the events of the of the triumphal entry and, and, and what do we do with it? We're, we're familiar with it. We've, we've celebrated this, uh, you know, throughout our whole lives. If we've grown up in the church, we still have a, a procession down the aisles of children waving palm branches. But it, has it become too familiar? Do we... Do we get the, the the full meaning of it? We have those the the perception or the perspective of of the the followers of Jesus, the supporters of Jesus, those who who saw him as Messiah and wanted to uh, wanted him to uh, ascend and become the, the the King of Israel. We have the perspective of the uh, the leaders. Of, of the the synagogue, the the temple there, the the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the 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 priests, the scribes, all of those, and and their fear of Jesus, their their hate of Jesus, their uh, conspiracy against him. You've got the perspective of of Rome in in wanting to to just squash any kind of uprising that, that might uh, that, that might rise up at any time in in the in the Roman Empire 
and then you've got our perspective of of two thousand years later. Just you know, what do we think when we come to to Palm Sunday every year? We certainly know what's going to happen at at the end of the week, where many in this uh, in in this city that were praising him for you know this most recent miracle of of uh, Lazarus's resurrection word has probably already made its way of the the healing of the blind man Bartimaeus in in Jericho said that many believed and the the Jewish leaders certainly didn't but how do how do we look at it what can we glean from it I think the context, just the overall context of of the triumphal entry, how it's it's near the end of Jesus's three year ministry on earth, where he has gathered his his twelve and many other followers, disciples, and and he knows it's time to. Uh, fulfill his his purpose the 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 reason that he came that he's deliberately irrevocably begun his journey to Jerusalem that last time for that last passover where he will become the the true passover lamb for for all of us for any who will believe it's certainly a uh as Barclay said, it shows sheer courage. But I think it should remind us of just the the great love that that God had for man that he would have his only begotten son come to earth to live, walk among men, and, and then to be sacrificed on the the cross to pay for for our sin. So when considering Palm Sunday, it it it, re, it reminds me now of just how great God's love was. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't just some uh, hotbed that Jesus accidentally walked into. That he he knew full well that there were. There were was a bounty on his head that the, the the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin had had already proclaimed. Anybody that knows where he is, come and tell us. We're looking for him. Their intention was not so that they could proclaim him king, but that so that they could get rid of him. I think there's sort of a evangelistic theme to the to the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry as well, and just considering the uh, the different people who are there, the, the different reactions that are there, it's it, it's it's reminds me of the parable that Jesus had told his disciples earlier, uh, the parable of the sower there in Matthew Chapter 13, it said that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by, beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seed and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear. Jesus gives his uh, disciples and those there a, an explanation of the 
of that parable later in verse 18, where he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. Anyone who hears the word in the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the rocky path. As for what was sown on, on the rocky path, this is the one who hears the word and immediate re, immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, <clears throat> but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares for the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good ground, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears the fruit and yields in, in, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. That, that just as there were, Jesus had illustrated with the parable the, the different types of soil and the things that, that happened with the sower's seed, that those in, in Jerusalem at the time of the triumphal entry were, were likewise the same, that there were some that the, the seed didn't make it, the birds and the, and, and the fowl, took the seed. There were the Jewish leaders around who had no interest in, in the truths that Jesus taught or the true meaning of why he was there. Others we'll see in, at, at the latter part of the week were the rocky soil that they may have believed for a, a little while, but they, they soon faded away and, and went with the, the crowd on Friday and shouted, crucify him. But there were those that were that good soil that the gospel fully rooted and fully produced in their lives. All of the disciples, save Judas, that, that went on and, and left Jerusalem after the coming of the Holy Spirit that we read there in Acts and, and took the gospel and the, the good news, the message of Jesus' salvation for all mankind out to the whole, to the uttermost parts of the world as it was known then throughout the whole Roman Empire. And so even today there's, there's that uh, evangelistic theme, but also how am I receiving the gospel? Is it, is it only at times of convenience that I want to, that, that I want to live by the principles that, that I want to allow Jesus to really work in my life? That it's, it's, it's certainly fun or, or convenient or easy at Christmas time, even, even Easter when we celebrate the, the resurrection. But how am I the, the other 50 weeks of the year? Am, am I allowing the, the gospel to truly penetrate my life, to, to take root and, and to be the, the reason for my being, for the reason for my living? Or do I only use it when it's, when it's convenient and those around me are, are doing the same thing? One thing I I noticed in just in just reading and kind of preparing um, for for looking at the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry is just it's recorded in all four gospels. Each each one in his own way is led by the Holy Spirit. There there's more to glean than 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 what I've mentioned. Uh, as this week goes and we're in the midst of social distancing, use it as a, a time to just go back and read the, the passages in, in the Gospels about the, the final week, the things leading up to the triumphal entry, the, the things after the, the triumphal entry, as, as Jesus knows full well what he's, he's 
walking into and that it's his voluntary sacrificial death that provides our our salvation it's interesting nowadays when you read a, a biography of of someone there's most of the content is is on their their life and yet the gospels that Matthew Mark Luke and John if you boil down all of the the content of at least a third of it has to do with the the final week it just just by the the volume the amount that they record we realize that the most important thing is is Jesus's sacrificial death and and his resurrection so i hope this is um at, at least been helpful uh, but but also that it's uh, enough to just sort of uh, whet your appetite on. Let me go back and read uh, these accounts and see what what else I can refamiliarize myself with. That that sometimes maybe we uh, become too rote in our in in our habits of of Easter and Palm Sunday and that we can go back and just picture it as if you were one of those there in Jerusalem and, and haven't had uh, 2,000 years of, of history or, or 50 years, 60 years of your life as, as a follower of, of Jesus and just think, how did they react? What did they do and what can I glean from that? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your love. Thank you for just the sacrificial death of Jesus and how he voluntarily, but in obedience to your word, your your will, made that trip to Jerusalem, knowing full well what was in store for him. And God, just how much that shows that you loved us and that you sent your son. And Father, as we go this week that we call the the Holy Week or the Week of Passion, may our, our, our thoughts be directed at you and praising you for what you've done, who you are, and just your great, your just great love and mercy on our behalf. In Christ's name I pray, amen.